0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But a Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong radiant timeless this mother's day give her the gift that meets her match with diamond jewelry starting at 200 dollars, plus diamonds directs exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at diamonds direct diamonds direct your love our passion
1: trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry
0: From Comedy Central's World News headquarters in New York. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Ah!
2: Tonight, writers and actors, David Diggs and Rafael Casella here, everybody! <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about blind spotting, their new movie that takes on race and gentrification in the Bay Area. It's a really fascinating film, stay tuned for that. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Whoosh. Sean Spicer, you remember him? Yeah? The porky pig of the White House press room. You remember him? The guy who could never f- f- h- 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 complete a sentence. Without messing up? Well, he's currently on a book tour, and it turns out he still got it. It was an honor to serve this country uh, and this administration, but there's not a day that I go by that I don't miss standing at that podium. I'm not accountable for every single thing that anybody else has said. He has uh, increased the sanctions with, with respect to Crimea. He was, if the people don't like the laws in the books, either vote people out and that you like or encourage those in office to change the law. But we don't revert
1: resort to violence. And I think that there's had a, a level of intensity and scrutiny. That North Korea was truly going to denuclearize the the, uh, yeah. the peninsula, he wasn't in this meeting. And that's that's the important part. The United States and President Trump, by the way... (laughs) Oh, Sean!
2: Oh, man. I'm not gonna lie, man. I miss him so much. All right. (laughs) Moving on to international news. Uh, you guys remember how Trump started a trade war with the rest of the world? I wanna say it was some time after he started stealing immigrant children, but before he pledged allegiance <laughs> to Russia. Well, the point is, it looks like the world is moving on without him.
3: The president's escalating trade battles are leading some countries to negotiate their own bilateral deals, leaving the United States out in the cold. Just yesterday, our allies Japan and the European Union signed a landmark trade deal, creating an open trade zone. The deal is set to eliminate roughly $1.1 billion in tariffs paid by EU companies that export to Japan. That's right,
2: Japan and the European Union have eliminated tariffs with each other which means we're gonna see a lot more exchange between Europe and Japan. And I, for one, can't wait to see what this partnership is gonna bring. This is gonna be like, ah, Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> Octoberfest. Oktoberfest, <laughs> But this is bad news for Trump. Like, he put up so many trade barriers that Europe and Japan just started doing their own thing without America, which might hurt the U.S. economy. On the bright side, though, America has now united Germany, Italy, and Japan. What could go wrong? (laughs) Speaking of which, speaking of which, (laughs) President Trump, (laughs) President Trump, just this afternoon, announced that he would be inviting Vladimir Putin to the White House for another summit. Yeah, which is insane. I've never seen anyone call a rematch for a press conference. I've never seen that. Like, this time, I'm gonna tell him to his fave, (laughs) lads. All right, let's move on to today's top story. Every day we learn more and more about Russia's efforts to undermine America's democracy, right? They hacked the Democrats' emails, they flooded social media with propaganda, and they even paid Fergie to destroy the national anthem. (laughs) Uh, Or at least I hope they did, otherwise I don't know what that was. And this week, we found out about one Russian spy who has been trying to mess with US politics for years.
0: The Justice Department announced the arrest of a Russian woman on charges that she conspired to act as an agent of Moscow to influence American politics. In court papers, the FBI says Maria Butina, and
2: a Russian official, took steps to develop relationships with American politicians in
0: order to establish back-channel lines of communication. 29-year-old Maria Butina is a former furniture store owner in Siberia. Wow.
2: How did they know that she was a spy and not a 29-year-old retired furniture store owner? What was the giveaway? Was it all the guns that she was holding in every single picture? You realize there's not one picture of her holding a chair. Not even one. (laughs) You sell furniture, there's no chair pictures. I don't know, man. And I'll tell you this, I don't trust anyone who says they sell furniture. I don't care who you are. And I know it's not right to profile people, but I'll say it now. I got my eye on you, Raymore. I got my eye on you. (laughs) Flanagan, we're cool, but Raymore, I don't know. And look, it's no surprise that Russia sends spies to the US, right? I mean, a spying Russian is as normal as a white person calling the cops on their shadow. Like, that's just a thing. (laughs) She's like, one of them's following me. (laughs) But what I'm surprised about is how close she got to Republican
3: power. The FBI says Butina cozied up to NRA officials trying to gain
4: influence.
1: An NRA convention in 2014 and 2015, Butina met future Republican presidential candidates Rick Santorum, Scott Walker, and Bobby Jindal, along with the NRA CEO, Wayne LaPierre.
3: According to sources, briefly met with Donald Trump Jr. at an NRA convention.
0: And at a campaign event in Las Vegas in July of 2015, she was one of a handful of people who got to ask then-candidate Donald Trump a question.
1: Do you want to continue the politics of sanctions that are damaging of both economy? Or you have any other ideas? I don't think you'd need the sanctions. I think that we would get along very, very well. Yeah, very,
2: very, very well. She was so good. She not only got close to all the Republicans, she also got Trump to answer a question. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think that's maybe what the American press needs to do to actually get answers out of Trump. That's all the American press should do. They should just start speaking in Russian accents. Just be like, Mr. President, Jim Acosta, CNN. And be like, I don't know what it is about you, Jim, but I like you now. Something different, I like you. Now, because Maria Butina made friends with the NRA and a lot of Republican officials, that doesn't necessarily mean that she was a spy, but the trail of breadcrumbs
3: she left behind means that she probably was. Here's Butina with an alleged Russian operative in a DC restaurant.
0: She has bragged about her connections to the Kremlin. There's an extensive email trail.
3: Direct Twitter messages between a Russian official and Putin. Identified by sources as Alexander Torshin, a former member of Russian parliament and one of Putin's closest allies.
1: Torshin messaged her on Twitter, exclaiming, you have upstaged Anna Chapman, referencing the Russian spy who was arrested and deported in a prisoner swap in 2010.
2: Oh, I feel like that last message jinxed her. I mean, (laughs) how's her boss gonna send her that message? Good job, Maria. You remind me of that spy who was arrested and deported. Yeah. (laughs) For more on the story, we turn to a man who has watched many movies about spies. Michael Costa, everyone. (laughs) uh, Yet another Russian arrested for meddling
0: in America's democracy. And, Trevor, as an American, I could not be more outraged. And not because of the spying, because of the laziness. Maria Butina put less effort into her mission than I put into my first marriage. Aren't you still on your first marriage? I I don't know. That's not the point. The point is (laughs) these
2: Russian spies aren't even trying anymore. Well, I I don't know if I agree, Michael. I mean, it looked very much like she was trying to me.
0: Why? Because she dressed up like a Russian knockoff of The Matrix? I mean... (laughs) What kind of spy poses in a magazine as a spy? She used her real accent, her real face, at least slap on a wig or a beard. I think a beard might make her stand out more. (laughs) She even used her real name. I mean, you don't see James Bond going around telling everybody his name.
2: Actually, that's kind of his trademark.
0: I know, because he's a fictional character. The point is, Russian spies used to respect us enough to try. Secret codes written in lemon juice. Hidden messages in flower pots. Poison umbrellas. But millennial Maria over here is conducting her spy business on Twitter. Off to my next spy mission. Tweet. Hashtag Kremlin. Hashtag undercover. Hashtag blessed. Wow, Michael, I... I'm not gonna lie. I didn't realize you were so passionate about Spycroft. Well, I, I'm a bit of an expert. Uh, you see... My brother is in the CIA, and right now he's in Moscow on a secret mission, but he's not running around like, Hey, Putin, I'm Dan Costa. I'm here to sabotage the oligarchs. No. He's pretending to be an investment banker by the name of Viktor Petrovich. And that's how you spy. Love you, bro. I don't know if you'll appreciate that. Michael Costa, everyone.
5: Welcome back. My guest
2: tonight wrote, produced, and star in the film Blindspotting. David Diggs and his longtime collaborator, acclaimed poet, Rafael Casal. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Nice Thanks for having us, And man. congratulations, man, on creating an amazing, amazing film. I had read some of the buzz before I watched it, but it, it, it's truly a beautiful story that captures everything. When you're writing a story like this about Oakland, a place that you grew up in, a place that is so close to your heart, like, how do you focus on the most important issue in the story?
6: Yeah, well, I think... Um... For us, really, every decision came back to does it feel like Oakland, for real, for real. I mean, so, so, you know, it took us nine years to get this thing Mm. made, you know, so we started writing this uh, almost a decade ago. Um, It's been through a lot of changes. What we really wanted, one of the big reasons to to make the film in the first place was because we had never seen our city represented in the way that we know it to be Uh on the screen before. So we didn't think anyone would ever let us actually make a movie, but if they did... We have a show going to show our Oakland, you know. So, <laughs> so, um, so that was the main decision maker. But it, you know, the, the film covers a ton of a ton of I- issues that seem seem very contemporary. But right. for us, it was always about just trying to tell the the honest story of these two men and represent their world accurately.
2: And and it really feels honest because you have this world where you've got uh, your character David, who is uh, three days away from finally ending his probation. You have your character, Raphael, who is what I can only describe as a madman. <laughs> and yet the most charismatic person ever. He's loyal, he's a best friend. You've got these two that are on this journey together. And 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 what I liked about it is a lot of it was in like spoken verse. Like you had written it, you know, like you're walking down the street flowing, you're, you're
5: going back and forth. Is, is that like a Bay Area thing? It is. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're using heightened language to, to try to condense really complicated ideas right. into digestible language and, and time that, that's fun. That's fun to listen to. That's the great thing about heightened language, right? It's like, it's exciting to take in. And it's been in the theater for so long. Heightened language and verse is the way that we've told stories in, in theater. And so we were so excited to take on um, bringing verse to, to film in this sort of way where they're not aspiring rappers or anything like that it's just the whole film is building towards trying to help Colin articulate what he's feeling uh-huh. to the people that need to, to hear it most and, and we decided to use verse to make that happen.
2: You, you've also got you've also got a, a situation where your, your, your character I mean this is, this is one of the, the most painful themes that was repeated throughout the story is your character is, um, now labeled as a felon, a convicted felon. and that line gets repeated throughout the movie. But what's interesting is when you learn the story and I won't spoil it for anyone is like how easy it is for somebody's life to end because of a title that that was like a painful experience that you
6: chose to write. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know all of the stories in the film are sort of based on things that either happen to us or friends or family members, but in order to keep it authentic we 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 Took people's real life scenarios and then, obviously, altered them for the film. But it, right. it helped us keep it close to home. If if you've ever ever been on probation, if you know somebody on probation or on parole for out, you know, uh, if you've been through the prison system, uh, being on probation is is tra- It's a series of traps right. designed to send you back. They're actively trying to send you back to jail. You know, um, and so once that label gets stuck on you. So many of my friends, like, you know, have a hard time getting jobs, right? Because that label is attached to you. There are all of these other unforeseen consequences. And for the period of time that you're still in this probationary period, there are all these totally insane rules. Um, that it, you know, uh, a family member of mine... I tell this story a lot. Was, was his probation was transferred from Sa- San Francisco County to Contra Costa County? It's in the Bay Area. It's inside baseball. You don't care about any of this, but uh, uh, take it in. <laughs> but uh, but his probation was transferred from one county to another. He's in the meeting with his new officer, and and she's running down a list of things that you 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 can't do. You know, this very standard meeting, running over a checklist. Going down the checklist, they're done, blah, 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 piss test every week, yada, 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 He's getting up, walking out the door, she says, oh, you don't have a dog, do you? He goes, yeah, yeah, I do, I have a dog. Oh, okay, well, it's not like a, like a pit bull or something, is it? Yeah, 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 it's a pit bull. Oh, okay. Well, you don't walk it, do you? <laughs> I do, I do, I walk, my, I walk my dog twice a day, I walk my dog. She says, ah, well, don't do that, because you having that animal is a violation of your probation in this county. It wasn't. In San Francisco County, but it is here and they will send you back to jail for that. Yeah. So it was, it was happenstance that this woman happened to offhandedly mention this to him, right? You know what I'm saying? And if, Yeah, because if she didn't mention that and he, he had walked the door, he could have violated
2: it. He would have gone back to prison. And that's, that's really what this film feels like. I've, I've seldom watched a film that's so funny and so heartfelt. But also, like, there's so much, there's an underlying current of suspense. Because the entire time, we're waiting to see if your character has to go back to prison for breaking the smallest rule. And then another major thing that we're dealing with the entire time is the theme of gentrification. Yes. You know, San Francisco and the Bay Area is dealing with this in major ways, and, like, this is a big theme in the story.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Oakland, California, San Francisco, we've been going through this massive turnover and in and, and, and pr- and this influx of new people that are coming in. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all character. don't know nothing about that here <laughs> in New York. <laughs> um, you know, but but that that is affecting this community, s- s- you know, so intensely, and, and, and them sort of in similar and different ways. And, and my character Miles is so... He's had to, he's, He's. we always describe him as, as a, a minority among minorities, right? He's right. the only white dude around, around a community of black and brown folks, and he's been that way his whole life. Um, and now the neighborhood is changing, and he's had to fight so much for space and his identity and to get everyone in the, in, the, in the area to, like, respect and know him throughout his entire life. And now this influx of people are coming in, and not only are they changing his context, but that he's starting to, like, get mistaken for the... for the What he sees is like, well, they're the colonizers. I'm from here. Right, right, right. You know? Which is... This shit is layered, people. <laughs> All right? <laughs> can, I, can I be honest? <laughs> that's,
2: what, that's what makes it amazing... It's it's a fantastic story. I could spend hours talking to you about it, but I would just tell people go watch the movie because it is that good. You deserve all the hype. Thank you so much for being on the oh, show.
3: Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> really, it.
2: Line Spotting opens in New York and L. A. July 20th, and in theaters nationwide July 27th. W. Diggs, Rafael Casal, everybody. <laughs>
4: Right Rug Flooring.